Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, hello and Happy New Year, my friends. How have you been since we last spoke? I'm CK, and this is Mirths and Monsters. Finn says hello. Now this is part two of the Witches episode, and I know it's been a wee bit of time since part one, so here's a wee recap. In part one, Ray Skywalker's great, 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 etc. grandmum Percival showed up in a very dramatic fashion to tell us about our time as a witch's cat. Percival, who sounds an awful lot like a bad impression of Mrs Doubtfire, some would say, set the scene of living in Salem. It was peaceful, typical small village type place. Folk knew their place and while witches were accepted they were rarely sought, or if they were it would be done under the cover of a dark sky. Percival's witch, Gwyn, was of the old school variety and couldn't abide the younger witches with their smiles and their love of life. However, as it turned out, Gwyn was full of surprises. Salem would sometimes be visited by a travelling circus of sorts. Lots of clowning, acrobatics and, sadly, juggling. Amongst this troop were pale-skinned individuals who performed songs and plays. They were the ones who would magnetise and galvanise the younger witches, enough for them to join the troop and leave the humdrumities of Salem. Nobody seemed to mind. In fact, nobody seemed to notice. Things ran this way for a good while until rumours began to spread from further afield. Rumours of a witch hunt. An actual witch hunt. Someone, somewhere, had decided that witches instead of being helpful and harmless, were in fact a threat. Even though the most threatening a witch would normally be in Salem was if some cheeky kid annoyed Gwen and they would get a scalp for the business end of her walking cane. My Murthers, old and new. Let's return to Percival and the continuation of witches. Are you comfy enough there, Percival? Oh yes, E.K. These cat beds really are very luxurious. Ray was nestled at the feet of her umpteen greats grandmum. Bobby and Castiel were prowling around the bed and, I think, acting as some form of guards for Percival. My wee man Finn was on the rug in front of the fire, pretending to be asleep. But I knew full well he was actually listening and dying to know what happens next. You feel ready to carry on the story, Percival? Oh, I see, Kay, I do. Let me start by saying that we jump forward a couple of years. There had been rumours of a witch hunt, but that's all there had been, rumours. And then one day... Cue the harp music. 
a young man ran into the Salem village square and collapsed, exhausted. It's true. It's all true. Luckily, this was in the middle of the day, and there were many folks on hand to help this poor soul. With confused eyes, they lifted him to the local apothecary, where they hoped that the apothecarist... where they hoped the apothecarist... the one who did the medicines could help him. As he lay on a cot bed, cold flannel applied to his near-fevered brow, he managed to settle himself and tell the gathered crowd that the witch-hunt rumours were no longer rumours. They were actually true. He had come from a township called Midvale, a journey that would normally take a week on horseback. This poor unfortunate had travelled the distance in three days, and only two of them with a horse. He simply hadn't stopped due to the severity of the situation. He said, They came in the night, torches blazing, all dressed in red tunics. What is it with these groups in an outfit? Anyway, there was about fifty of them, all chanting in Latin, something like, Oh, all witches body yum. I'm really not sure. We're a small place, older residents in the most. We didn't have a chance. They took the ones they thought were witches and threw them into a cage on the back of a cart, eight in all. We tried to stop them, but they're strong and without mercy. Then they left, knocking anyone down in their path. As they marched on, I heard one of them say Salem. I left immediately to get here. As you understand, CK, this was a scary situation. My mistress Gwyn was in the group that helped the young man, and she could feel eyes upon her. Some that were concerned, but also some that had fear. She knew her surroundings. She was a very smart woman, let alone a talented witch. She addressed the room. We knew this time may come. We knew that there are those who fear what they do not understand. And that time and those people are near. You know me in this village. You know who I am and what I do. I have never hidden it. This is not the time to doubt yourselves or my actions. We have little time and we need to be as one. There were some mumblings, of course, but Gwyn shushed them. It turns out that my mistress had expected this day to come, and had been planning for a while for just such an event. You lot, yes you, Farthing, Flopsy, whatever your names are. The younger witches were tending to the poor unfortunate from Midvale. They turned to face this imposing sight. You all need to come with me. You all have transport, I assume? There was a knowing look between them and some shuffling of sandals. We have not the time. Have you brooms or not? They all nodded their daisy-chained heads. Good. Go fetch them and head straight to my cottage. They looked at the man in the cot. There is someone to help him. Now go. Even without brooms, they seemed to fly out of the building. The remaining folk as one looked toward Gwyn. There was a dramatic pause before Gwyn said, Ring Calvin. Calvin wasn't a who, it was an it. It was a giant bell that had been the last request of Calvin F. Scrumpworthy, the man who brought Salem from a one-horse town to a... Well, it was still a one-horse town, but boy, did that horse eat well. Calvin was a larger-than-life character who was always positive and brimming with help. As he lay on his bed for his final sleep, he asked if a huge bell could be commissioned for the church. The current one had a large crack and the clapper had worn down. 
it didn't so much ring as clunk. Calvin asked for one to be cast and named after him, so that when it rang its loud peal it would be a reminder of his time here. It was done, and all the folk knew that when it rang it was time to gather. Now it rang, and the people gathered. The assembled throng looked toward Quinn. They had heard about the boy from Midvale and knew that this was the situation not for the law, but for experience of certain people. All of you know me, and I know all of you. We are now at a time when we need to stand together. There are those who would do us harm. I see some looks that say it's not us, it's you. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think they would hesitate to hurt you in order to get to me? There were murmurs of agreement, CK, that heard the stories. All of you witches who are amongst us, go and gather your transports and head straight to my cottage to join the rest of our kin. The witches moved immediately, but they had a glow in their heart. She had called them her kin. She had recognised them. Those who are left, you will be worried and scared, I am sure. What you should be is vexed and exceptionally put out. Use that energy towards what you need to do. But what do we need to do? Very happy you asked. We have at most three days, and we have work to do. Hard work. Now listen, and do not make me say it twice. As if by magic, no pun intended, the folks of the town became one. Oh, Mistress Quinn was good. Not to sound like a worrywart, Percival, but the history of the Salem witch trials are pretty heavy going. Might not be appropriate for some of the listeners. That is very true, but don't you worry. This is not that time. This is a time before that time. Almost a prequel, if you will. You know, like when Hollywood runs out of ideas. Will there be a montage? Not this time, CK. Save that imagery for the next episode. Ooh, I wonder what that'll be about. <clears throat> Shall we? Oh, yes. Cue the strings. After Gwyn had given her instructions to a doubtful, then happy crowd, the plan was simple, but it would be a lot of hard work. She headed back to her cottage to the worried but determined faces of the young coven. Step inside and pay attention. We have a lot of work to do. I watched them. They were spellbound. Pardon the pun. They were a very willing audience, and while they were in awe of this legend in front of them, they were receptive and honest with their answers. My mistress laid out to them what they would have to do. It would require perfect timing, skills that are still new to them, and the use of real magic. They were hanging on every word, and much to my mistress's joy, they were almost growing with confidence. Maybe she had underestimated them. Before they began their crash training, pun intended this time, she left them with one final piece of knowledge. A final rule that must be adhered to, and as one they nodded their understanding and agreement. Right here would be a perfect time for a montage, I'm just laying that out there. Oh, get over it, CK. We don't have the budget. Oh, all right then. Just over two days later, in the heart of the night they came. 
torches blazing, outfits all creased and clean. Seriously, as soon as they get an outfit, it changes. Their minds set on one task. The leader strode towards Salem, expecting no resistance from such a small and backwards community. High above the tree line, two pairs of eyes watched with interest and followed. They looked at each other and nodded. With that, they both removed a bundle from the pockets of their flight cloaks and with great speed and determination flew down towards the torches. They had no clue what hit them. The two witches, Honeydew and Serendipity, threw the bundles at the rear of the group and there was an explosion, a huge flash of green and blue light. Flames shot up and bangs galore filled the night. As one, the group ran, only to find that down the path was a fallen tree, too big to go over. To the right, shouted the leader. They ran to the right. They screamed in terror as another batch of colourful explosions erupted behind and to the right of them. On they ran in the only direction left to them. Eyes above them watched. It was working. Honeydew and Serendipity went to gather the rest. The group ran for a few hundred yards in the woods before the leader could finally regain their collective composure. You fools, this is just trickery. Really, because you ran fast enough. Silence! These are just acts of desperation. As he said that, there was a crash behind them and an accompanying scream. The leader ran quickly to the bushes and pulled out one of the young witches. It was chamomile. Gather round and look. You see? This is what you're scared of, this little whelp of a girl. What happened, witch? Your broom broke. Chuckles from the gathered group. Camomile looked up at the red face and said one word to him. Sucker! The leader blinked with confusion and at the same time Camomile was scooped up by Elderflower on a way to safety. The final rule. You never leave your wing witch. As the young witches flew to safety, the rest of them who had been hovering above and waiting dropped the net. This huge, steel net that had been crafted by the townsfolk fell with a great weight and covered the torch-carrying group. From the woods, townsfolk came and hammered in clamps to keep the already substantial net secured. The witches landed amongst the townsfolk, surrounding the trapped group, hugging and squealing with a job well done. The leader uttered curses while the rest just seemed bewildered. Finally, Gwyn flew down slowly and landed mere feet from the secured leader. She just said one word. Gotcha. CK, I have lived a long while, and I have never, nor will I ever, see a more beautiful sight than that gotcha moment. What happened to the puny models? We gathered as a village that night, we ray along with the people of Midvale. The women they had taken were still alive but needed care. It was care that they were given. The combined law forces from these villages took care of these nasty people and they were locked away for a very long time. The next day Calvin was once again wrong. Everyone gathered and there was an additional group. The travelling troop that sometimes came through also showed up. Their ringleader approached, his pale face strong with determination. He reached Gwyn as the townsfolk watched in silence. Thank you for coming. Always for you. I knew that you didn't need us last night, that you had faith in the witches here, but I understand your request. As he said that, three women strode towards the people. These women who had been so taken with the troop that they had left with them before. They hadn't left as such. They were chosen. 
something was within them and the troop took them in to fulfil their magical potential. A bit like Buffy, really. They will remain with you as defenders and teachers. Thank you. Well, shall we celebrate or not? There was a huge cheer, and for the time being, all was well. Percival, I think it's time for a catnap, or as you call them, naps. That is correct. I'm very tired now. Ray, nap with me. I watched as all my furry wee beasts fell asleep. It's a very calming thing to see, as a lot of you will know. There you have it, my friends. All done with witches. For the time being. If you'd be kind enough to stay on after the music, I've just got a couple of wee announcements to make. Till next time, my friends. Slancha. Your good health. Okay, folkies. So, all I wanted to get across was it's very good to be back. So, the schedule for Mirths and Monsters is going to be there will be a new Mirths and Monsters episode every two weeks. I can't bring myself to say bi weekly because that sounds like twice a week to me. Anyway, there'll be a new Mirths episode every two weeks. Popcorn and Monsters, there'll be at least once a month. I'm still deciding on that one. For the time being, I would love to hear any feedback about the episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if there was things that you weren't so keen on, if this was maybe a bit mature for some younger listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts. So, my friends, take care of yourselves. Daddy Fling. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.